0: I was just you know I wanted to compete and, and for me I remember like walking into class and you know getting looks like oh that kid's on the football team or even from the professors you know or the students and they're like you know all oh, that guy's on the football team like he's gonna slack off or you know he's gonna be like um, a nuisance whatever he's probably gonna be distracting and I remember that feeling very early when I was a freshman and I'm like you know what I'm like I would sit next to those people in class and I would you know, wait for the, 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 the tests to come around, midterms to come around, do my tests, and when we got them back, just, you know, I would slide my, my, my score across, just slide to the end of the desk and make sure they saw it, you know what I'm saying, because I used to feel like, yeah, you know, it's, I'm a competitor, like, you know, it, it doesn't matter if we're competing with our brains in terms of a school or, you know, with our bodies on the field. This is David Maluski, former captain of our Rutgers football team, and you're listening to the Heads and Tails podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails Podcast. This week I'm interviewing David Maluski. He's a first-team academic All-American, which is just one of 24 players in the country to receive that honor Um, he was also a finalist for the Leroy Selman Community Spirit Award and was named the the team defensive line MVP and voted team captain by his teammates in his final season with the Rutgers football team but while his friends were training for the combine and for their NFL pro days uh, David chose to step away from football and I think the three torn ACLs probably had something to do with that um but we're going to talk about how he overcame those injuries and got back on the field, and also how he has transitioned to a life after sports. Um, so, David, like when you first got to Rutgers, like what did you envision for your career? I think like
0: you know, any other high school football player coming into college, your expectations are so high in terms of the dreams for the future. You're thinking, you know, I'm in a big-time college. I'm playing for a big-time coach. There's some players out here that, have played and went on to NFL, and so your aspirations are on that level. You right. know, you know, you're not an Ohio State or you're not, you know, a Michigan type team, but you've had players that have produced top-notch talent in the NFL just like everybody else. So you know that if you excel, you have the opportunity to go to NFL.
1: Right. So you had NFL goals going into it, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure.
1: Um. So what made you like decide to go to Rutgers?
0: So for me. I actually had an injury in high school that was a big part of it. So, um, as you know, the junior year of of high school right. is the biggest year for recruiting. And so, my junior year, about halfway through, I, I pinched a nerve in my neck. And they were um, very cautious with that. So, I sat out maybe four or five games. So, I was on nobody's radar on my junior year. But then my senior year, things started to blow up. And then only local teams really started to take notice. Gotcha, so, yeah. So it was, like, the, the D1AAs, like Monmouth and Hofstra at the time. Hofstra has no football no more. Um, so some of those schools. And then UConn started knocking on the door. And as soon as UConn started knocking on the door, Rutgers came in. And they were like, okay, we're going to take you. Here's a here's scholarship. And I was like. Coachiano. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they were talking to me a little bit at first. And then as soon as they heard, like, Connecticut was involved. Right. They offered me a scholarship. And literally, like, once I got the letter, like, I committed the next day.
1: Cool. Um, so what, I'm interested more about this neck injury in your junior year. How did that happen?
0: Yeah. So I just, um, it was like an aggravated, like a stinger, you know, when you get stingers like down your shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I was getting. And, um, and I was getting them so often. Um, and and it it was at one point where I didn't practice all week, but I played in the game and then I caught a pass, I ran up the field and then. Literally, it was at that point, it was any contact to my head would cause a stinger. That's how, like, aggravated. Yeah, it was, like, super sensitive. Super sensitive. So, I saw this guy. Yeah, so so (laughs) (laughs) so I ran over this guy. But in doing so, you know, our heads made contact. And I got a stinger that I felt on my whole, like, the whole side of my body. It was... It was terrible. And, it sounds and, scary, yeah. Yeah, no, it was scary. It was. I just shouldn't have played, but um, you know how it is. Yeah. Um, it's it's one of those football things, and uh, I actually got carted off the field, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, because it was a neck injury, so they were super cautious about it, and then, you know, they they carted me off the field, drove me to the hospital, took, you know, MRIs, x-rays, all those things, and um, decided that I was okay. It was just a herniated, a herniated C3 disc, I think, or um, whatever they call it, but um but that's what happened i missed a few games and then I came back for the playoffs then next year i was fine
1: so you said like you kind of alluded to that like athlete mentality of like yeah, yeah i'm gonna play no matter what so when did that like get ingrained in your head because that's <laughs> and i was telling you about my head injury before and yeah. the reason why it was as severe as it was it was that same exact mentality so i'm curious like yeah, where I, you kind of learned that
0: i think like maybe when i was like seven or eight um you know uh, exactly pop yeah, warner man. you know my dad's Mites. telling you. yeah my dad's like you know what is a sign of weakness type guy <laughs> you know what i mean and uh you know rub, rub some dirt on it type yeah of, type that's of how people. we grew up yeah yeah and that's how it is and and specifically football you know i looked over the list of questions that you were going to ask before and uh that was one of the things that really stood out to me in terms of the mentality specifically in football versus other sports um at the college level is uh is challenging because you're not you haven't made it yet so you're not in the nfl right Right. if you're in nfl you're in nfl right and it's like you get treated a certain type of way when you're in college it's like they're still trying to you know groom you and and still harden you for the future right so there's that process of like mental toughness and you 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 run you walk that line between like being tough and then being stupid, right? Right, all the time. So it's like we had coaches that you know, you know, tell you to do something, and then at a certain point, I understand why 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 they tell you to do that for team building and and you know for your own good, you know. But at a certain point, it, it, it
1: crosses the line. It crosses
0: the line and it tips that balance in terms of stupidity in terms of like. I'm going to get injured doing this, and I'm not going to be able to play, and so this is all for not um and and that was definitely uh, something that I realized once I got a little bit older and, and understood the bigger picture of uh the dynamics of college football.
1: So can you explain that line, and like when you when, you, when like the light finally clicked yeah. and like you're like, "Wow, I'm just being an idiot by doing this, or whatever? yeah I
0: would say honestly, it didn't happen until my redshirt junior year because at, up until that point, I didn't really play. Cause I, so I was, you were fighting for a job. Yeah, I mean, I was injured. I tore with my ACL three times. So my freshman year, you know, I came into school, had, you know, all summer training, went into the season. I was getting redshirted, but I was basically the second string middle linebacker as a, as a true freshman. Yeah,
1: I was there during that time. I remember, I remember you being that linebacker at yeah. that point in time. Yeah, right? And you were getting reps, I remember. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, I was. I was moving from my scout team, and I was running really quickly to uh, the second team, yeah, uh, with the with the defense yeah, and Snyder. Yeah, and I was Kevin traveling. Snyder. Yeah, well, so I'm actually a year older than Kevin, but um, Kevin oh, okay. Kevin was traveling as well. But the year before, like um, that was my freshman year. I was second team middle linebacker behind Steve Harness, and you know, so I was getting second team reps, and and I was traveling with the team for the games. Most there was only like three or four of us from that whole freshman class that were traveling. And so that was a good experience for me. Um, and so it was something that, that definitely motivated me because, you know, I knew the coaches saw potential in me and seeing what I could do um, yeah. in, re- in regards to that. But so what I'm saying is is I tore my ACL the first time. I, you know, I played a little bit, but I was so new. I was a freshman. And then, you know, I tore my ACL, had the surgery, recovered, you know, came back for a second, went through training camp, a couple weeks into the season, tore it again, you know, on repeat, right, and then so I didn't really started. I didn't really didn't start playing until my redshirt junior year, which is crazy, but that's how it was for me. But then once I started playing, you know, like halfway into the season, I started to understand maybe a little bit before that too. I would say this, like, um, people, are, there's a certain level of toughness that people are, you know, and no program is gonna change anybody. So, you know, like I could have ran a million 110s you know what I mean? And one across the field of sprints. Yeah. I, I could have done whatever they asked me to do because I knew I had already a certain level of mental toughness where I could just like, I could just do it, you know? And like my, my body might hurt. I remember one time we were running, um, sprints, you know, and this was in the summer and I strained my calf, you know? And for me, it was like, okay, so I strained my calf. This is stupid. Like I, ke- I could continue to run. And I did because, because of that reason. But, I just remember how it was like 2 weeks before training camp started and I'm just in my head I was so upset because I'm like this is so stupid like we're running like a million one tens like it was extra because like we were being punished for some reason um but so we just kept running and running and running and I, I strained my calf and then I'm like I had that decision I'm like okay do I tell the coach and sit out or do I continue to run and possibly and and, and hurt it more and then and then put myself in a bad position to come into training camp um, to be successful. But at the same time, I know the dynamics of like, okay, if I sit out, the coach is going to look at me like he's one of those guys. And versus like me limping through, they still want to see that. You know, I, that that's kind of how it felt. But once I got a little bit older than that, and once I understood, once once I was established more as a player and as, as a person in the program then. Um, then I would go, you know, I would just say this is, I would, I just wouldn't do certain things right. because you I knew look out
1: for yourself before in, in, in ter- it's yeah, in terms of like not hurting yourself further.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's not like, like you're doing more for your team. i have never, I've never that. been a me guy, never been a me right. guy. I, I wasn't getting it. Yeah, no, I, wasn't, I, know, I, I wasn't know saying that. Yeah. But that's, it's, that's the thing. Like, that's why it's so confusing and tough with right. injuries specifically with football because Football. That team
1: aspect is like, yeah. If you if you're viewed as a me guy, like you're taking care of yourself, it's like you're freaking shunned, you know.
0: It's me and and the team and also the coaches, right? It's all those dynamics, specifically in football, because football is such a physical sport and it's all about toughness and things like that. So, um, it's unique in that regard where toughness plays a part into the injury recovery part of it for sure.
1: Right. That's it's interesting, and I think it's a good message for other athletes to say, like you know. You tore yourself three times, you know, and, like, you finally started listening to yourself, yeah. like, after yeah. after that. I'm not too far off from, from that, too. I just had a knee surgery a year ago, and it's because of that same thing. Like, I just don't know, like, when to stop. Yeah. So, okay. But let's talk about the ACL injuries. So, the first one, how did that happen? And then, like, you know, let's talk about the, the yeah. aftermath, too. Okay,
0: yeah. So, so, my freshman year is going along. I'm doing pretty well. You know, like I said, I was playing Getting second reps, team. Too. Yeah, second team Mike. Uh, middle linebacker and you know this was like a uh, like an extra practice after practice that coach used to you know i, I remember
1: that what was that called
0: i forget it was like supplemental practice yeah. something like that for the younger guys right yeah, so yeah. it's like all the guys would get like you know and we would be the scout team and so we were getting reps but we were getting reps doing somebody else's defense so coach Shiano at the time you know he would have like these supplemental practices at the end for us to run rucker stuff you know what i mean so we, we weren't at all practicing right. the Rutgers defense when we were freshmen. So we would stay after and we would run uh, our own plays and defenses and things like that. And so I remember the uh, Paul, uh, Nick, 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 Depot. So he was a fullback at the time and he uh, went into the flat and I, that was my guy. And, and so I thought it was a run play at first. So I came up to the line and I realized, and I was like trying to you know, yeah. backtrack him and then so they threw it out to him into the flat and he, you know, he starts turning up the field and, and this was a thud um, the tempo. Right, so I mean, so not, so tackling, yeah. not tackling, not tackling. You just had your helmets and shoulder pads on. We had no lowers. So we weren't allowed to go to the ground or you weren't supposed to, you know, you'd get yelled yeah, at. Yeah, You'd get ripped if you did that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm chasing him up the sideline and I'm coming from the right side and he's on the left sideline. And so like, I'm running on an angle to him. And so I finally catch up to him and then he's holding his ball in his outside hand. And so I try to ca- grab him on his right shoulder and then punch my left arm around to try to, you get know, the get the ball out. And in the meantime, simultaneously, I'm also saying, okay, I can't go to the ground. So <laughs> so my leg swings out to try to, like, brace save myself. Yourself, yeah, yeah, save myself from from falling. And getting ripped, yeah. And, yeah, and so <laughs> so I put my foot down, and it was just hyperextended, you know. And then as soon as I put my foot down, I just heard the pop, and I already knew. I already knew. What, I and that never happened to me before. But you know, But I knew it was something serious because I heard something pop, and from that and I rolled around it hurt really bad for like maybe 20 30 seconds and then it felt okay and I was you know I got up I started walking around and I walked off the field all those things and uh and then you know I remember Arno uh who was our trainer at the time um you know along with other people but you know he, he grabbed my knee he touched it and he was like this is not good. You know, he, he felt, uh, they yeah, did the they, test where they, they, they try to feel the connection, um, or this like with ACL. Yeah, I don't
1: know the name of it, but I know, I know what you're talking. They about, do
0: that yeah. test where they, they move your knee around and it yeah. was just sliding yeah. up and down. It was crazy, yeah, but, you um, no
1: stability there. Yeah. And didn't you have a setback with that too? Like, yeah. So, yeah, you had, yeah. You had surgery, right? So what, well, before we get to that, what was like your initial thoughts of like, that was
0: brutal. Yeah. That, so that was the hardest ACL for sure. So, um, you know, there's all those different surgeries you can get. So I had my first one, I had, uh, I had the patella tendon done. Okay. Because that was recommend. what was recommended to me. And, uh, but, but what happened was I got a, <laughs> I had an infection from my surgery, Right. which was brutal. I remember so,
1: that. Yeah. You had the pick line, right? Yeah.
0: I had the pick line going. Um, I lost maybe 30 pounds as a result of that whole process. And, uh, yeah, so I, like I remember, I was I was in you know meetings still with crutches and a pick line and like having to like inject myself with, with like these I, like antibiotics. Yeah, but like they were like <laughs> they were like um, slow release antibiotics, so it looked like a grenade. Oh, okay. And then by by itself, this grenade would just close on, on in on itself and oh. like squeeze the medicine out. You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. So it would like feed over over a time, but I remember it was brutal. I uh I I, I came in at like two fifteen. At that point, I was probably like two thirty. And then I went back to like two ten after that process and, and it was a definitely a big uh recovery from the specifically from the um the fevers and all that stuff that I had from the infection.
1: And you were you were a student at this point in time, like you were doing this to yourself, yeah. right? Like hooking yourself <laughs> up to a pick line. Like yeah. I, I had an infection from my head surgery and the same thing, I had a pick line. Mm-hmm. But I had my mom hooking me up, like I was yeah. still in high school yeah. and like she was taking care of me like a <laughs> nurse. Um so I was like, I remember when I was talking to you after your injury, I was like, holy crap, like this kid freaking does all this crap on his own. Like that's, that's yeah, insane. it was,
0: it was wild. But that, I mean, it wasn't though in that regard. I mean, it might've looked like that, but I mean, I did have, you know, for all things that, you know, in terms of Rutgers, like crazy support, crazy support, the the people that we had, um, from our trainers, you know, to, to the academic staff, to, to all the people, to the coaches, and then, you know, my family was right in my backyard. Sayreville was, you know, 15, 20 minutes away. So um, when I went through, the, when I had the surgery, you know, I wasn't at school. I went home, you know. Okay. And My mom was taking care of me for a couple of days. And, and that's one of the things that I think, you know, staying close to home was, was unbelievable for me. Because, you know, if you wanted to make Rutgers feel like it was in California, you could do that if you wanted to. And we had guys who did do that. And then if you wanted to come home because you had a surgery and, you know, you want to get taken care of a little bit, then, you, you know, too, right yeah. there. So. Uh, but I remember I went through first three nights, like, like the first two nights, like I just sweated through like four pairs of clothes in, in my bed and it was crazy. Is I, that yeah. when
1: you knew you had like an infection or something or?
0: I knew something was wrong. I knew something. I mean, I never had the surgery before. Right, but, so you didn't have like a reference point. Yeah, yeah, I did not. And then I just started sweating and I would wake up in the middle of the night and, and you know, I, my leg was so wrapped up and it was like in this machine and it was uh, during the night, like to like keep moving my my leg and it was nuts. and. Uh, my mom was helping me out with that, and then I would come up in, during the day and I'd be like, "Listen, guys, this is what happened last night," and I'd be feeling better during the day. And then so they'd take my temperature. They're like, "You got a little fever, but like nothing crazy, you know." And like they would do some tests and stuff. And then, so they didn't know what was going on exactly, because like usually when you have a, a serious infection, like you those those uh, symptoms are just constant. Right. Um, Plus,
1: you already probably had swelling to begin with because of yeah. the surgery. So like, how do you decipher?
0: Yeah. No. And so and so it was a funny story. So. It was only happening at night, and then after, like, they're like, okay, wait up, you know, maybe it was, like, um, side effects of the anesthesia, you know, um, and I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, I didn't know, and then, like, three days goes by, and it's the same thing, and then they finally start, you know, like, looking into it, and then um, the doctor, he drains my knee, and it comes out, and comes out, like, brown, like, oh. like, like a brown sludge coming out of my knee, and as soon he's as like, he sees it, he's like, yeah, that's an infection, <laughs> I was like, "Thanks, guys." Yeah. Three days later, but uh, but then after that point, I had to get two more surgeries to like clean it up. They used to, they just basically rinse it with water, from what I was told, and uh, and give you antibiotics. And I was on the pick line for I think three to six months or something like that. Um, so that was the first one, yeah.
1: Damn, that's been three to six months you were on that.
0: Yeah, I think it was like three months. Yeah, because it's it was like a serious yeah, like.
1: Yeah, you could like die from that. Probably, yeah, from yeah. like
0: surgery infections. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. Mentally and emotionally, how were you going through this? It's like, all right, I tore my ACL, I had this infection, I got a pick line on my arm, I lost 30 pounds. Yeah, uh, you know, what like what were you thinking and like how'd you kind of deal with that mentally and emotionally?
0: Yeah, it was tough. It was definitely tough. Um, for me, when I was a freshman, that happened. You know, I hadn't established myself at all at that point yet, and
1: But you were getting looks too. So like it was I was getting looks.
0: Yeah. yeah, for sure, it was definitely encouraging, but. Uh, I knew I wasn't anybody on a team, you know? So for me, the way I looked at it is like, and I had some great coaches and mentors along the way. It was unbelievable. Like the things they taught me that really helped me through that process. Um, specifically, you know, one of those things was, you know, control your controllables. Um, that line, those three words were unbelievable to me. Like I, I just lived by that code control the things you can control, basically. That's what it means control your controllables. And for me, I knew that I could not control um, you know, being hurt. I could not control being injured. What I could control at that time was my rehab. And then secondly, my, you know, the education part of it. I'm like, listen, like the GPA thing is important with with these school, you know, on the football team, we used to like, look at it, like, you know as a team we had x gpa for the semester you know and this is improvement from the last couple of years and the, and at that point we were just like on, on a straight shot up like we that were, was yeah you were making we
1: contributions kept. to a team yeah that yeah was. so
0: the way i looked at it i'm like you know shame on me like you know i could be hurt right now um but if i wasn't taking care of the things that i can take care of um you know aside from that then you know shame is me uh shame on me sorry so shame on me and um And to me, it was important to make sure that the things that I could control, that I excelled in. And then eventually, you know, that happened, you know, three years in a row, unfortunately. But once football became a thing that I could control as well, then I finally started to play really well. And, you know, it was an experience that um, was really fulfilling and that I'll never forget.
1: Great, man. Do you think that the infection, like, led to the second injury?
0: I do. No, I honestly do. It's a great question. Yeah, so it's a great question. Yeah, let's
1: talk about the second ACL injury.
0: Yeah, so I had the infection, came back from it. I actually ran the fastest forty I ever ran after that. Oh so, wow. Yeah, so, yeah, so the it, rehab was good and rehab was great. I had uh my trainer was Bob Gilmartin at the time. And he was fantastic. Uh and, and so then him and then uh Mike Tufo was my trainer after because Bob uh ended up leaving to a, another school but those are my two trainers for the ACLs, and they were fantastic. And basically what they do during the rehab process is they, like, retrain you to squat and do all your, your leg exercises again. Okay. And so in that process, I just feel like the the – auxiliary muscles, I don't even know how you would say it, but like the hip yeah, muscles, like the secondary muscles. Type that you don't think about, yeah. Not yeah, the big ones, yeah. Not like, the big ones. It's not your quad, it's not your glutes. It was like the secondary muscles were, got a ton of work. And and that was the thing that I think really helped me. I didn't even know about before on both sides, because you have to do both sides during the rehab. And so I ran the fastest 40 I ever ran after my first ACL. I ran like a 4.64. And, you know, so the rehab went well, but that injury, that that infection... That was like a three-month struggle um, I thought led to my second ACL for sure because the way I tore my second ACL on the field, you know, I just made like a little cut. Both of them were non-impact. Right. So nobody, you know, fell on my knee. It was just a, I made like a cut. And, then, and, uh, and yeah, and then so I remember Karan Pratt, you know, in my second ACL, he, he ran across the field. It was a red, uh, a red zone drill. He was a so wide receiver, right? He was a wide receiver, yeah. yeah. So I was playing middle linebacker, and he was the number three wide receiver on the inside. And so I basically have him man to man if he comes in. Okay. So, you know, so I, I look to the three side and he comes and he's coming in. So I know he's my man. And so basically he has like an option. route. He could like come into me and then go right back out to where he came. Right. Uh, and then get the, get the ball thrown to him. Or, you know, he can give me a little shake and then run past me. So it's like he reads me and then makes his choice based on what I do. Right. And then so I knew that, you know, I was prepared for it. You know, so I came out to go, go see him, put some hands on him to try to slow him down. And he gave me a little shake, and then so I was just, you know, following him. And then, I you know, I just put my foot in the ground and, and you know, started to, like, move you know, laterally. And, you know, and then I heard the pop again. And and that was crazy um, how it happened. And I, I just I – re- at that point, I had already experienced it before.
1: Karan shook you out of your shoes. Dude. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I
0: mean, my ACL was the – I chalk it up to my ACL, like uh, you know, popping because of the reason that I fell. Otherwise, I think I, you know I, I would have had no problems like keeping up with him. But uh, and I'm just kidding, dude. Nah, nah, <laughs> no. I'm just saying. <laughs> that was a that was a running joke for a while. It was funny, though.
1: All right, so you do it again, and like, are yeah. you what was going through your head at that point in time? Because now, obviously, you yeah, just work yourself a, back. You just ran the fastest four you've ever ran. Yeah. probably feeling pretty good. So let
0: me. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna open up to you uh, a little bit in this. So my second one. It was, you know, as as honestly, at that point, it was a weird thing. Like, I hated football.
1: After the second one?
0: Before the second one. Uh, why is that? Between my first one and and playing in my you second. You hated football. Hated football. So, um, Coach Chiano, you know, he was an amazing coach. Right. I looked up to him, you know, he like. had a presence about him. I had a presence. If he walked in a room, you just knew it. You yeah. know what I mean? Type of guy. And he was a, a great dude. He had the best of intentions. Um, but for me, it was like, I was my own worst critic always. I've always been that kind of guy, right, yeah. you know? So it's like, and, and me, I was cerebral to the point where like, I could like make a mistake on the field and then picture it, how it's going to look on film and then understand why it was wrong and then make the correction, like all internally, you know, in right, myself,
1: yeah. you don't need someone else getting on. Yeah. Life.
0: And so. I'm, you know, I'm my own worst critic. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to do, you know, I wanted to be great. You know, I'm, I'm, am I'm a Jersey guy. Like I came to the school. Obviously, I wanted to succeed. You know, it was, it wasn't a matter of like want to, but you know, I just felt that pressure from the top. You know, yeah. And so, you know, getting like, uh, you know, torn up. You know, like, like getting yelled at all the time and, and certain things, uh, certain things that were said was uh, frustrating. And I remember it was it was a crazy time in my life because I loved football my whole life, my whole life, and then. Um, it was that time um, that was challenging because it was weird. I would have like a an hour of like bliss after practice because practice just ended. And then immediately after that hour, I would already start feeling like anxious because I knew practice was it's coming, coming tomorrow, the next day. Yeah, It was a terrible thing. And, 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 and when I tore my ACL the second time, believe it or not, it was, you know, it was a tragic thing. But at the same time, I was like, thank God. Thank God. <laughs>
1: That's yo, sad, yeah. That's it's sad. crazy,
0: yo. It's crazy, but like, I I not really told many people that, but that's the truth. And I remember Coach Young came up to me, you know, the second time I was from ACL, and you know, I'm like crying, you know, I got like tears in my eyes, like I'm, you know, I'm choked up, you know, because I'm like, damn, this this whole process again, like this sucks, like it's, not, it's nine months, you know, and uh, but there was a part of me that was a hundred percent a part of me that was like, yo, thank God, you don't got to go to practice tomorrow. And it was it was a weird dynamic, but uh, but that's what I was, you know, dealing with internally at the I'm time. I'm sure
1: you're not the only person who's ever thought that. Yeah, you know, I and, know that's, and I think like as great of as coaches can be for you and like teaching you life lessons and really ma- be making you become a man and wh- whatever, like whatever right. it is. At the same time, like, like you said, I was a guy who, who was exactly like you. Like I do these mental freaking beat downs on myself. You sound like you're a lot more constructive than I was, but I was like <laughs> freaking like whipping my back with like, you know, 30 lashes for the idiot who freaking went off sides or whatever, you know? So, you know, I'm, I don't need other people to freaking get on my ass yeah. and like chew me out of something like, yeah, I know no. I'm freaking effed up. And like, I was like, you said, like I don't, I didn't come here to do, to like fail. Yeah. You know, like I want to succeed. I know, succeed. exactly.
0: Yeah. And and that was the thing. It was like, um, I, I, one of my favorite things to, 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 research and study is leadership. And one of the things that, you know, I've come across and I've learned is that you have to really identify who the person, you know, everybody's like, you got to treat everybody the same. And that's the only way you could be like fair, but that's not the case. Right. Because not everybody's the same person. Yeah. Not, not everybody reacts to the same situations the same way. Not everybody interprets, you know, actions the same way. And, You know, you have different people who have different levels of accountability, different different levels of, you know, introspection, however you want to say, who, like, you know, really look at this stuff seriously, things like that. So you can't treat everybody the same way. Everybody says that. It's like it it wouldn't be fair. But to be honest, everybody's different. So you need to be able to finesse that a little bit as a leader and be like, you know that's that kind of person, he needs that kind of leadership yeah. versus that, that person right there next to him. And
1: the ability to identify that as part of being a leader. It's huge. Yeah.
0: And so for me, that was, I think, something that was neglected. And, and you know, nothing against Coach Chiano. He, he was doing it in my best interest. Always knew that, you know. Right. It just, for me, it was something that, like, I was constantly conscious with practice to okay. the point where I didn't even want to make a play in practice. I just wanted to not be noticed. Be noticed. <laughs> yeah. I just I, I wanted to not make a mistake. So I played my whole first two and a half, three years like that. Right. And then the, the after my third ACL, which is, you know, more or less the same type of deal, um, I had a coach, so Coach Flood came in, um, uh, but Coach Panagos, he was the game changer for me as right. an athlete and as a player.
1: And when did you make the move to the D-line? Because Coach Panagos was the D-line coach. Yeah,
0: so so I moved uh, after my third year. You can imagine 27 months in the in the weight room you know, you get, you grow a little bit. (laughs) So, you know, my ACL is, you know, recovering this whole time, you know, at that point I had played only in two games and I had 27 months of rehab under my belt. You know what I mean? So, uh, lower body, you know, like I was strong, you know, I was relearning how to squat every single time. So I already knew the whole process and I, you know, I, I squatted more after uh, my first or second ACL than I ever did before. And I'm, I was like a 405 bencher, you know what I mean? Because it's like you just live in the weight room at that point. Because yeah. it's one of the things you can control, right? Like, I can control, you know, my, my work ethic in, in the weight room. And I can't control, you know, what my ACL is doing. So um, it was good for me to focus on that. And so I just got really big and I gained weight. and But it was good weight. And so they were like, hey, like we're going to just move you to the D-line. We have a position that's like a hybrid linebacker D-line position. And, and that's where I went. And Coach Panagos came around. And he was... Unbelievable. He was one of the most important people in regards to that process because he told me one thing that was very simple but went a long way. He's like, listen, he's like, I don't care about making plays. He's like, I don't care if you make plays. He's like, the only thing I want to see you do is run around on the field like with your, with your hair on fire. So basically he's like, you can control your e- effort. He's like, if you're a high effort guy, we'll find a spot for you on his team to succeed. And for me that was huge cuz you know I'm coming off 3 ACLs and and the coach that I'm playing for now I want to impress him I want to do well and he's telling me basically like honestly don't care about don't worry about anything except working hard and running to the ball as fast as you can. He's like at all times if if he's like if I, if I turn on any single play from practice he's like if I turn it on I want to look at number 90 and be like that guy's working hard. He's like do that and and you'll figure it out and 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 we'll find a spot for you and and I did that. And lo and behold, you know, the plays didn't come at first, but continue to to, to play with that effort, and then the plays come to you. And it's, it was a crazy, like, um, eye-opening experience because, like, it, it, that's something you would have brought to the table as a freshman. Right. Cause, and, and it was something that was completely internal in terms of how you play, in terms of how you are motivated. I'm going to run to the ball as fast as I can every single moment. No matter what
1: technique or... Yeah. Play right no matter what your ball. job is, whatever
0: yeah. right like if you're thinking too much about that stuff to do everything perfect, you end up making mistakes anyway right so it was it was counterintuitive and that, that's the thing that was a struggle for me initially it's like okay like I'm gonna play to not make mistakes well if you play like that, you're gonna make mistakes rather than I'm gonna play as hard as I possibly can with every you know ounce of my body to play literally as hard and fast as I possibly can, you might make mistakes. But then those mistakes are, you know, make the um they're made up for, you know, the speed that you're playing with and and the loose the looseness like like and then and then those two worlds come together and marry and that's what happened for me when I was older is in terms of marrying the um the cerebral part of it in terms of knowing the defense and the ins and outs and then the carefree kind of I'm just gonna run as hard and play as hard as I possibly can so those two two concepts for me came together when I was a retro junior and I started playing and then. Uh, eventually my, my senior year when I was named the captain and all those things, it was, uh, that was the biggest thing. But I I remember it was something that was internal and I always used to think I'm like, damn, like only if I knew this when I was a freshman, you know, and everybody says that, but to me it was something that was completely, you know, in my own control.
1: Right. Yeah. I think about like when I was, I started as a sophomore at linebacker in high school and I, I was, like, the second leading tackler on the team and stuff. Like, I had no freaking clue what was going on. Right. I didn't know the plays. I didn't know anything. <laughs> but I just freaking got after it. And, like, because of that, yeah. I succeeded. Yeah. But as I got older, I actually got worse because I started thinking. Yeah. I started thinking, oh, no, I got to do this, and I got to do this play. I'm supposed to be here. Instead of just freaking, like, getting playing. after it yeah. and playing. Like
0: I know. It's crazy. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I learned from my own experience in terms of coaching. Like, Coach Panagos was unbelievable, and he just said, that's all you could do is just control the things you can control. He's the one who taught me that. And he was like, listen, run to the ball as fast as you can. I'm like, that's easy. I'm like, you you're telling me all I gotta do is run to the ball and I'll be I'll be good. I can play for you. Right. And he was like, Yeah, he's like, just run to the ball. Show me you have you, you have effort, show me you care. You know what I mean? And I was like, Boom, you got it. I could do that, I went yeah. to practice, I'm like, I could control that. I can't control making tackles, I can't control, you know, doing the right assignment, whatever the case may be. But I can control my effort, and that to me was a huge turning point in terms of my career and, and the injuries and everything.
1: How do you think that mindset? Do you think that mindset helped you stay healthy too?
0: Yo, 100%, 100%. Yeah, hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah. So before that, um, when the injuries were happening, it was I was in that mode where like, damn, like I got hurt again. But then like also like, thank God I'm gonna go to practice no more. <laughs> like. <laughs> it was like it was one of those moments like
1: you say that but like i i know exactly what you're talking about like no it's nobody nobody that, s- yeah.
0: talks about it you know what i mean I know, like it's yeah. like one of those things because it's like taboo you know what i mean like you right. don't want to say you're you're a tough yeah, football player pussy, yeah yeah you, you want to practice yeah, yeah exactly like especially like head injuries were the worst like in terms of like i haven't I, I was lucky i didn't have too many of them but like it was it was my opinion that if somebody claimed that they had a, a like a head injury, you can't see it. Yeah. Everybody just assumes that they're they're just like trying to like get yeah, out of practice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like oh, like ah, oh, you know what I'm saying he's being soft. Like he wants he wants a day off, and then like the worst part about it was like you know that's one thing coming from the players, but then when it comes from the coaches, and you know not so aggressively, it's like more like you know it's not like, you know if you say you had a concussion or you say you got the symptoms, then you know the coaches will send you. But it's like you know behind closed doors that They're shit's talking going about on. About you, yeah. They're like, yo, like what's up with that guy? Like he's a pussy, you know what I mean, or type right. of type of deal. And you know that's going on because that's just the sport. Like that's just what it is. And And it's, that's how they grew up. That's like, yeah, yeah, when it's, they played it's culture. They didn't even talk about concussions. Yeah, so like, no, yeah, it's so when, different. Yeah, you got your bell rung. you know what yeah, I mean? Like, right. yeah, well, what happened out there? I got my bell rung. They're like, All right, cool, shake it off, right. go back in, you know? And it's like one of those things. Um so that was something that was challenging. And um and something that I faced with throughout my career and then but like once you, you know, are playing and then you know who you are as a player on a team and you know where your status is, then it's easier to, you know, um manage that whole deal and just be like, Listen, like this is stupid. Like I'm beyond this point in my career where I know the level of toughness that I have internally. I'll do a million things that you tell me to do and I'll make all my times, I'll do everything. But it'll only be to my detriment because, you know, I'll end up hurting something, straining something, whatever the case may be. And then I'm going to be in, an, you know, in a position where, you know, I'm, I'm fighting for a position. And, you know, I'm not going to be at 100% physically because of some stupidity that happened before that. Right. So, definitely.
1: And I think I talk about toughness all the time on the podcast because yeah. in my eyes, toughness used to be playing hurt, lifting the heaviest weight making the biggest hit, right. scoring touchdowns. Like, that was tough in my eyes. But if you can't freaking last and, like, live to fight another day, then yeah. what's the freaking point? Yeah. You know? no, so like, seriously. I, I think that's perfect what you said about, like, there's a difference between being tough and being smart, you know? Yeah, so. no,
0: and it's a fine line because, like, everybody thinks of the toughness, they're like, you know, exactly what you said, right? Like, playing through the injuries, things like that, like being tough, being a macho type that's guy. That's what's
1: glorified, yeah.
0: But for me, toughness – Once I, like, started really thinking about those kinds of things and and, and got a little bit older, I'm like, I'm like, yo, it's not tough. Like, somebody disrespects you, you're going to, like, punch them in the face. Like, you know, even, like, internally in the locker room, like, somebody's, like, somebody's talking shit and you're going to be like, okay, like, you're going to step up to them. Like, that's being tough. Like, whatever. But then I started thinking, I'm like, that's not even tough. Like, you know what's tough? I'm, like, setting two, three alarms every morning because you know you can't be late every single day. You can't, there's not one day where you could be late send all your you know what i'm saying like waking up being on time to all your classes all your meetings you know what i'm saying like doing making the right decisions the small ones all the time like that's tough because those are the, those are like small things like ah oh, whatever man i hit the snooze like whatever i'll be a little bit late no big deal I'll, I'll come back after practice after lunch you know take a nap before my class and be like ah oh, man whatever like maybe i'll skip class tonight you know and that that, that happened, you know i mean like, guys would do that, and, and for me, like, in terms of toughness, I realized at a certain point, it was about making those decisions right all the time, so it's like, okay, I gotta do my rehab, I gotta go to class, like, I gotta do all those things, and then when you're there, like, actually doing them, you know what I mean, you're not just, like, your body's there and, like, your mind's somewhere else, like, you're actually trying to benefit engaged, yourself yeah. and be engaged, and and that was tough, that was hard, you know, and everybody's talking about, like, this that, that, this, and that's tough, I'm like, no, like, that was tough, you know, and it People didn't do it, and and because it, for that reason, like it wasn't easy, and, uh, and and you know some people you know succeeded, some people didn't, and a lot of times it was because of those smaller decisions that they made. And, you know, if they were willing to miss class or be late to class, then ultimately that trickled down into how they played. Right. It's it's crazy, but you know people would say that that, that there's nothing, there's no relation, but in terms of your mentality, you know it translates.
1: This guy freaking gets it to the <laughs> audience. He gets it. <laughs> Took me 27 years to figure it out, <laughs> yeah. but I feel like he learned it a little sooner than I did. Um, before we start talking about your life after sports or life outside sure. of sports while you're playing, <clears throat> I want to talk about the head injury stuff just because that's something that's obviously yeah, close sure. to my heart, I guess. So, like, what instances do you, like, you have some examples of times where, like, you got diagnosed yeah. concussions or maybe not because you were withholding your symptoms yeah, like, So how they happened?
0: For sure. So, I, we had guys on the team that had concussions every once in a while. And, you know, it was, it was hard as a player to be, like, to look at them and, and, you know, you can't see it. It's not tangible. It's not a broken bone. It's not a torn ligament. You know, it's something that's going on in the brain. And so, there, I would say, honestly, like, there were instances where I think people kind of, like, you know, exaggerated what was going on. You right. know what I mean? Because, because
1: they didn't want to go to practice. Yeah. They, or, like, you know. Avoid that anxiety that we were just talking yeah, about. Yeah,
0: exactly. It. And then, so, I understand that whole part of it, too. And, and what happens is every person that's like that ruins it for everybody who has a serious right, injury. Right, right, right. So
1: what about them was different that made you question their um, honesty?
0: Their symptoms. You know, it's like you would know, like, I, again, th- this is the mentality of that yeah, I had. This is the you know? culture. This yeah. is the culture, right? Yeah. So it's like, you know, if you're, if you're claiming you have a concussion – But then I see you out Friday night drinking and having fun at the bar. Right. Then my guy, you know what I mean? I'm like, you have a concussion right now. You can't practice and you can't play. But But you go do that. But you're going to have drinks and and go party. You know what I mean? Things like that. So it's like their actions, right? Like if somebody has a concussion, I'm not saying they got to be like all doom and gloom about themselves. But like if you're having, if you have a concussion and you have like symptoms and you're like, dude, like I got to stay in my room. Like, or like I got to like. You know get. control
1: what you can control to get better, yeah,
0: you know what I mean, and then versus like somebody who's doing you know reckless things in the process of trying to get better, I'm like, my god, like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense and then and then you're like that guy's you know that guy's kind of faking it or like he's exaggerating it, and he's uh, kind of milking it for it to, to miss more time because he's on the play, and then you would have somebody else who actually has a serious injury, and then you already come from that perspective of like okay. Is is he lying or not? Right, and and so that's what that was a part of it as well. But for me, my own personal experience, I never had like a like a diagnosed concussion. But I remember a few times, honestly, with the ground more than anything else. Like I would hit people, it'd be fine. But in a few instances in my career, where like I would get swung around and then my head would hit the ground. Flash, yeah, yeah, and and that doesn't give. You know what I mean? Versus like hitting somebody else, like my head will give or they their body will give. The the ground doesn't give and i remember hitting the ground a couple of times in my career and you know getting up and just seeing double and it's a crazy experience i've had that multiple times yeah, yeah. so you know what i'm talking about it's like it doesn't it, it never makes sense like you're like <laughs> you're just like saying i see double and people who never had that experience are like well what does that mean like you literally see two, two of, like two of you literally see two of everything <laughs> like it's like each eye is individually red like it's crazy yeah um but yeah so i've had those a few times but you know what it was one of those things where um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I, I, I take care of myself, you know, I wouldn't have put myself in, in in a position where I think I could have made serious damage, but, you know, definitely I like, kind of shook it off. And then once my eyesight came back, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, maybe, after like 30 seconds. It yeah. Like you know what I mean? I'm like, all right, cool. I just shook it off. You know, I'm like, I don't know what happened, but you know, clearly it fixed itself. So I'm like, all right, yeah, I can keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Keeps working. So, Yeah. <laughs>
1: Do you think that you suffered like more of those – or do you experience more of those instances of double vision or like those questionable concussion symptoms more at linebacker or when you were playing D-line?
0: 100% linebacker. Yeah. It was – yeah, it was not speed. even close. Yeah, yeah I mean um, D-line, everybody was bigger. But, you know, it's like your – it's like your basic physics, right? Like you have bigger balls, right? But they're like coming at each other bigger slower. Balls. <laughs> Like, you have bigger weight coming at each other. Literally and figuratively. (laughs) Coming slower versus linebacker, like, yeah, you might have been 220, 225, 230, but you had a five-yard head start, and so did the fullback, and so did everybody else, or so did the pulling guard. You know what I mean? So you're coming, and those collisions just like, you know, uh, mass times uh, acceleration, right? Yeah, like force equals mass Yeah, so yeah. the force was just so much more at linebacker than it was at D-line, and uh, that was, without question, more so of those instances where, you know, those issues came up. D-line, yeah, like, sometimes, like, you know, my, my tackle would go down, and somebody would try to kick me out, like, you know, the guard would pull. They'd be pulling, yeah. Yeah, they would pull and try to kick me out or something like that, or maybe it was, like, a tight end that was, like, off the line who was, like, like, a long zone type deal. Um. And so you had some some instances where there there was, you know, strong contact, but for the most part, it was more so, like, hand physicality. Right. Um, hand and, combat. Yeah. yeah, hand combat, being strong with your hands and, and keeping separation and understanding what was going on. Versus linebacker, you're just throwing your head in, and shoulders in there, like, you know, it's just, you're trying to fill gaps. Like, we used to call it a brick of the wall, like like there's a hole and you just got to fill it you got to yeah. be a brick you know what i mean like you just put a brick in the wall it's and like the
1: freaking wedge busters and all that shit, crap. Yeah. yeah
0: i know like that stuff is stupid man i thank god i was ever a wedge buster i'll yeah. tell you that much
1: unfortunately i was <laughs> um but do you think there's like did you ever alter your style of play to kind of like take your head out of it or like save your head
0: and with certain things like uh especially like, earlier in my career right like when I was like coming off of surgery, I was like, you know, and I was dealing with all the things like with the pressure from from up top. And so, yeah, so I would try to keep my head out of it, you know, so certain occasions, especially like when I knew I could, like, you know, certain like drills. Well, a lot of like
1: technique, they almost teach you to like stick your freaking face in right yeah. their chin. Yeah. yeah,
0: I remember like, uh, we used to have those helmets that was like a shut, you know, I remember like the, yeah, the,
1: the shut. Shut like logos right above your, like, right the crown above the of your forehead. He's like, yeah.
0: yeah, put your shut on their chin. And you know that was that was like Everyone that says was in that, high yeah. school, yeah. Put your shot on their chin, right? That was a common Everyone thing. Everyone says that, yeah. Yeah, and then I'm like, dude, my guy, like,
1: <laughs> literally, you're telling me to leave with my head, <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: leave my head, like, put my head into their head, like, that's yeah. what you're saying, like, um, and yeah, that's what it was like, and then, uh, but then we we started, I guess. The new coach now he put in some kind of new tackling system where like they're like rugby style tackling. I, I've a never rap seen, and roll kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I've never really you know seen it in action myself in terms of how they practice it, but um, that might be something that that is beneficial for me. It's just bigger that like people just realize that um, you know it's it's it comes only at a certain point once you're established. Like once everybody knows, once the coaches understand who you are, what your toughness is, how what level you can perform at, then. Once that's not no longer in question, then it's like, boom, like, you know, I, I don't got to do the stupid stuff no more. But the problem is, is how long it takes you to get to that point. And it's like you got to prove yourself and, like, all those things. And, I, and it's a weird dynamic because I'm like, it, it's good and bad. Like, you want somebody – like, toughness is important, even mental toughness. Like, everybody who comes in as a freshman isn't at the same level. And some of those guys need mental toughness. Like, they need to, you know, be pushed to, you know, elevate that level of mental toughness. But other guys, yeah, yeah, just like
1: you said, like adapting your coaching yeah, exactly to the athlete.
0: Other guys, it, it comes to a point where it's not, you know, it doesn't increase their level of toughness because their their, you know, base level of toughness was already high enough. Right. You know, beyond that point, it's it becomes just hazardous to like their health. And, and gotta I, c- identify I can them. relate to that. Yeah, yeah. I know, I could tell.
1: <laughs> um yeah, okay. So I'm trying to think of like, uh, let, let's talk about your life outside of football. Sure. So sure. you're saying you're saying like a ton of great stuff. Like I, I love what you're <laughs> saying. Like you're like we're on the same page here. Right. But obviously, like not everyone ex- excelled so much off the field as, as you did, especially academically. You mm. did, You know stuff outside. So how did you establish that identity outside of football?
0: Well, firstly, you know that's. My mom. My mom's an amazing person. And uh the way she raised me was always, like, mom's the toughest person I know. It's unbelievable. Um She is crazy, like, tough as iron. And I got that from her in that regard. And and for me, I'm like, it goes back to the control your controllables type deal. Where, like, I knew I couldn't, you know, play at that time. I was just rehabbing the whole time. It was a process. But I'm like, you know, I got to go into class. And this is something that, you know, I was competitive, you know, whether it was a playing field or the classroom, I was just, you know, I wanted to compete. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, I remember like walking into class and, you know, getting looks like, oh, that kid's on the football team or even from the professors, you know, or, or the students. And they're like, you know, all oh, that guys on the football team, like he's going to slack off or, you know, he's going to be like um, a nuisance, whatever. He's probably going to be distracting. And I remember that feeling very early when I was a freshman. and I'm like, you know what? I'm like. I would sit next to those people in class and I would, you know, wait for the, 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 the tests to come around, midterms to come around, do my tests. And when we got them back, just, you know, I would slide my my, my <laughs> score across slide, yeah. just slide to the end of the desk and make sure they saw it. You know what I'm saying? Cause I used right. to feel like Take pride in that. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm a competitor. Like, you know, it, it doesn't matter if we're competing with our brains in terms of a school or, you know, with our bodies on the field. And for me, that's how I looked at it, and um, and and so school always came easy in that regard. I mean, not not that it came easy; it, it was a lot of work, but it was just a matter of you know, this is something that was important for me. Somebody told me this one time, and they said, "Like, listen, they're like everything you do, you put your signature on, everything, you know, metaphorically, literally, whatever the case is." He's like, he's like, you know, you have a report card, and schools are gonna judge you based on the results of that report card. And they don't know you, you know, they don't know who you are. They don't know what the number, who you are, who the person is behind those letter grades, but they'll objectively look at those letters and be like, and they'll pass judgment on who you are. And they're like, you know what? That's, that's your signature. Unfortunately, that's the way the world works. He's like, whatever grades you produce, whatever you do, he's like, you're signing it. That's your, that people are going to pass judgment on that. So that's your signature. He's like, that's your reputation from that point forward and then he's like and then it continues like through college right and then and once you get a job like people look at your resume you'll submit a resume they don't know who the person is behind the resume truly they just like look at some like things on the resume they look at like you know bullet points okay he did this as you know this experience this experience this is what he's bringing to the table and then i might not even i i might i'm not I might be so busy where i'm like whatever i can't interview this guy cuz like his inter- his his resume isn't as good as the other ones and they don't know it, it could be the best candidate right they yeah they print I have no idea. Past judgment, yeah. But that's your signature. If if you're if you're producing at that level, and so I I took that to heart, you know, uh, and I was like, you know, that's my signature. Like I, like, people are gonna look at me and that that say like, that's the type of kid that guy is, right? Or that's the type of guy that that family produced, or whatever the case was. And I was like, dude, like, no, like, if that's if I'm gonna do something that people are gonna be able to look at and make, pass judgment on, I'm gonna make sure that it's done at the best possible level. Like, it, it could be done. And, and that's that's kind of the mentality I had throughout that process and, and with school um, until I was, you know, done a few years ago.
1: Were you always good at school, like, even in high school? Like, you always excelled?
0: Um, yeah, but, it, you know, it, yeah, I was good in school in high school, but it was um, more so the same type of deal, you know, in terms of being a competitor. And then it was just never framed for me that way, like, in terms of my brain. Like, I didn't I didn't, like, look at it that way. Like, I was almost doing it without knowing it. Okay. Right? And then when I came to college, somebody kind of spoke to me and kind of put it in a way where it made a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And then and then it escalated from there. Like, I was good in high school. You know, I was, I was like, you know, didn't really work too hard. But, you know, I did my homework. You know what I mean? And I went to school. High school was one of those things where, like, I thought if you, you have so many days of class where if you just pay attention, you'll be okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. Whereas in college, you have you less classes. See, yeah, you don't see them every time. And then and the burden goes on you, which is a big transition. So it's like the burden went on, was on, on the teacher in high school to teach you. You just sit there and pay attention versus in college where teachers, you know, maybe they had a passion for teaching, maybe they had a passion for research, whatever the case was, the burden kind of moved on you.
1: Right. Um, so, like, what advice do you have for athletes who might be struggling academically?
0: Ah, uh, that's a good question. So for every. So this is the thing, this is the answer. So you have to be able to objectively look at yourself and understand the type of learner you are. And, and for me, for example, right, what I would have to do to be successful is to go to a class, right? I would look at reviews at the teacher and then I will see the reviews at the teacher and then I will go to class and then I would look at the teacher and then go through a, a class or two and I would see what kind of teaching style they had. Right. Because if they were just like every textbook that you buy in college, like there, there's also like a um that company who produces it, produces like slides on, on a PowerPoint. Okay. They provide it to the teachers. And so if, if that teacher is going to just going to use the PowerPoint from the textbook and just basically read these things for 40 minutes, like, you know, that type of professor is just here to do research and he doesn't care about teaching. And so for those classes, I would just bring my textbook legit and just sit there, you know, respect, uh, respectfully, respectfully, respectfully and just read my, read my chapter. You know what I mean? I'll read my chapter during class because I'm like, the whole universe of questions that I could possibly get tested on are in this book. So let me read this damn thing and try to figure out what's going on versus paying attention where in high school, all you do is pay attention. But in college, it's like, and then I had other teachers who were like, listen, like, they were passionate about it and they're like, not everything that's in textbooks can be on the test. so You got to be here. You got to take notes, all these things. And then those I was more engaged in in terms of my presence in class. And so you have to understand first, Firstly, who you are as a as a as a as a learner, how can you come to to be successful? Uh, and everybody's different, Some people need to read. Some people need to do flashcards. Some people need to might need to like repeat things verbally. Whatever the case is, it doesn't matter. There's no better or worse way. It's just how your brain,
1: right? Figure out, well, yeah. Again, like adapting to your own.
0: Yeah. So it's it's like how how does your brain work? How can you remember things? How can you learn things? And then once you do that, then you you marry that kind of concept with the professors you have and understanding what they're going to test you on. You bring those two worlds together and, and, and you kind of figure out the passcode for like college. You know what I mean? It's not super difficult right. once you figure that once process clicks, out. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, how did you balance uh, football and academics?
0: Um. Yeah. So early in my career, you know, with all the injuries, it wasn't so difficult, you know, I had the rehabs, things like that. Um, but you know, our academic staff was unbelievable. We had uh, Scott Walker and Jenna Beverly among others uh, who were great, great, at what they did. Unbelievable people, firstly, but secondly, great academic advisors. So in terms of advising us on, on class schedules, you know, what classes to take, things like that, and just helping us throughout that whole process, they made the, um, honestly, as like a football player, the one, one of the biggest benefits was just like how we were um, scheduled. Right, the, like yeah, the regimen of it all. Everything was organized for us without much work from us. Like we pick our classes, but then like you know, they were like, "Okay, this class doesn't fit, whatever." You you know, like whatever the case may be. A lot of that stuff was kind of just set up for us, um, and then we just had to go and do it, right? And then once you got a little bit older and you took more control because you had more control for what classes you took. As in the, in the beginning, it's just like all the standard, you know. But um, uh, but honestly, I chalk it up a lot to them, them, and, and the kind of, <clears throat> excuse me the um kind of plan they laid out for us and, and that was the biggest thing and, and you got to just understand like sometimes you got to make sacrifices like colleges the tuesday thursday night like i never went on a tuesday thursday night in my life you know what i mean and in college those are the biggest nights of the week and everybody tells me that i'm like well i wouldn't know because i never went <laughs> out on a tuesday or thursday night because i'm like i could never do that i
1: didn't play football and i still didn't do that so. yeah
0: <laughs> but you know what i mean right yeah. like it's a big like, uh, frat, like a frat, I guess sorority type deal. Like, yeah, Tuesday nights are big. I'm like, oh my god, I got practice tomorrow. I'm hey, like, class, yeah. I'll see you later. You know what I mean? Like, maybe I'll see you on Friday, Friday night. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah. So that's one of those things.
1: So what? What's your? What was your like defense for those kind of peer pressures? Just because you were so focused on football, or
0: I'm like one of those people who don't care
1: what other people think.
0: Yeah, I. I like, this is how I look at. It. Like, I don't have social media, right? And I look at it as, like, if you have 2,000 friends, you have zero friends. That's that's my opinion. I'm, like, you know how many friends I need in my life? I could count them on one hand. Like, that's, all I need is, like, two, three good friends. And I'm good. Like, I don't need anybody else. So, for me, I'm, like, when I walk around, I do all these things, I'm, like, I, I it's, it's almost similar to my detriment because, like, I, I sometimes I go into, like, uh, relationships or, like, uh, into just meeting somebody kind of with, like, um. They're like
1: oh, what's your Instagram handle,
0: yeah, you know what I mean, but like i don't I don't go into it the mentality of like oh, I'm gonna make a friend, like I'm nice to everybody like i'm not i'm not I don't go out of my way to be rude to anybody, but at the same time, I'm not necessarily like looking to make new friends, you know what right. I mean, so it's it, it comes to a point like a, you gotta know who you are b all you need is a few friends in your life, like you don't need a thousand friends that, that's too crazy, like you're gonna cut yourself too thin, you're not gonna have any authentic relationships with anybody, um it's better to have less friends and then better, like, actual connections, connections yeah. than than have more and have less. And then once you get to that point, then you're, like, peer pressure. I'm like, who cares? Like, I don't even, what do I care about the pressure you're applying on me? It has nothing to do with me.
1: It's probably yeah. just trying to validate their own existence. Yeah, like with so I might like beyond
0: yeah. that point. You know what I mean? Like, the peer pressure stuff. And and, and but it, I'm not saying I, I was born this way, right? Like, it came through a process of, like, learning that. And, and if, you know, if somebody could learn that earlier, then to their benefit, it's just, you know, who cares? Like what people think, like, it's so funny how I'm 25 right now when I was 15, let's say like those, those connections you thought would last forever, but in reality, only like one of them did or two of them did, you right. know what I mean? And it's, it happens to everybody, but you know, it's, it's more about investing in those and then, you know, kind of saying f those other other things going on you know or other people i'm not i'm not even gonna know you in a few years right
1: so after the knee injuries like after each one like what kept you coming back like was it the scholarship was it because because like you said at one point you didn't even like football anymore so like what what kept you coming back
0: yeah i mean that's a good question i'm for me it was i guess maybe like um like it would have been I would have taken it as like a like a shame,
1: like you failed, or yeah,
0: like if I would have been like, "Yo, I'm gonna quit." If if a doctor would have been like, "Yo, you can't like, there's no way you'll come back right and be successful," then you know they're like, "You like you need to medically stop playing." Then I would stop playing. Nobody said that to me, so all I did was you know showed up to work each day, um, and just focus on those things, and and eventually ended up all working out, but, um. Well, what kept me coming back was, like, I'm like, dude, like, like I live 20 minutes from here. Like, if I quit and I don't make sure that I did everything. I, if I don't exhaust every possible option before I quit, then I'm like, how can I go home and be like, yo, mom and dad, like, by the way, I stopped playing football because, you know, my knee and stuff. And, and, like, everybody would have been like, okay, that makes sense. Right. We
1: get it, dude. You did it three times. <laughs> yeah. Everybody <laughs>
0: Seriously, like everybody, would it would have made sense. But for me, it was like um, if I didn't exhaust every option before that point, then shame on me. And I, I didn't. And then eventually, you it know, I ended up coming it, yeah.
1: out. Yeah. All right. So how did you transit? So after the the three ACLs, you had a successful senior year. You were a captain. You're you named team MVP on the line, right? Yeah. On the defensive line. So you, you had a, a great kind of end to your career. What, when did you decide that you didn't want to pursue uh, an NFL career? Yeah. when all your friends were doing the same thing. That was when Burton right was training yeah. for the combine it and was. people were training yeah. for their pro days. Like, how did you come to that realization? Because I know for a lot of guys, you know, they, they a lot of them probably are feeling that way. Like, oh, I'm sick of football. I'm right. sick of getting hurt. I'm sick of doing that. But like, they don't know what else to do. Right. Right. So like, well, I guess I'll just keep doing it. You yeah. Know? So how did you come to that realization?
0: For me, it, it, honestly, like, I learned that from my freshman year when I tore my ACL. When I did that, um, one of, like, you know, silver lining type deals, uh, I realized how quickly um sports can be taken out of your life with something that you had no control over, right? Right. It, it always keep, it keeps coming back to that topic, but um I knew that. So once that happened, I knew I couldn't put my eggs in that basket. I couldn't put my eggs in the NFL basket because I'm like, shit, I'm like, what if I get hurt? And then it never happened to me really before that, like, to a serious degree. And it happened in college, and I started getting hurt, and I had these surgeries, and I never had a surgery before that. And nine-month rehab, things like that. I'm like, you know, this this can get taken away from you like that. And once I realized that, I just knew that there were other things that needed to be explored. And even, it, it just, to me, I'm like a slave to logic. Slave to logic. So I'm like, even if you play in NFL, and even if you have, like, an unbelievable career you're in there for like it's still only gonna last like 10 12 years
1: tops if you're really
0: really lucky if yeah. you're really really if you're like the 0.001 percent of the population you play in nfl for like 10 years you're like 33 or 34 when you're done right. what are you gonna do like i wasn't one of those guys like oh, i want to retire early and just sit on a beach i hate the beach I i'm like yeah. i want to <laughs> do something that like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I'm jumping out of bed. I'm like, yo, let's go. I want to do this. You know what I mean? And I want to do that for my job. And I'm like, that was football for a long time. But I knew even, you know, just logically, that was going to end regardless. It's just a matter of like when it happens. You know, you can't play football your whole life. You can't play sports your whole life regardless of what the sport is. And so it either ends, you know, at high school, at college, or in the pros. But even at the pros, the most you're going to play it's like into your low 30s, you know what I mean? Or mid 30s, like tops. And that's like the upper echelon, like crazy, you know, like the crazy athletes. But for me, I made peace with that a long time ago. And, and I just knew that I wanted to figure out something that I could do not for the next 10 years, but for the next 40 years right. and enjoy. So I, I started throwing my kind of efforts into like searching that out versus, you know, doing something for 10 years and then being like, basically being in the same position you are when you graduate college, like. Okay, that's over. What am I going to do now right. for the rest of my life?
1: And did you start doing that while you were still in school?
0: Yeah. So yeah. So luckily, like you know, so uh, football's in the fall, which is a cool thing. So um, we finished football in the fall, and then the spring came around, and you know, at that point, you're done with kind of the season, and you kind of start looking into you know what what's next. And so yeah. So my first uh, my first thing that I wanted to do, I wanted to go to the Navy. And so I applied for the Navy. I took, like, the written test. I did well on it. Um, this is after college? Yeah, this okay. is after college. Yeah, so it's the first thing I wanted to do. I wanted to go to the Navy. Uh, I'm, like, four years. I'm, like, I'm like, listen, I'm probably going to live till I'm, like, 75, 80. I'm, like, if you think of your life, like, four years, like, no big deal. But, like, the the m- amount of experience and, like, uh, experiences that you'll have and the, the people you'll meet and the things you'll do in those four years is, like, way more than four years worth of, like, regular life. So I'm, like, it's worth it. Like, um, and plus serving the country, all those things, like, that was a part of it, a big part of it. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I took the test, you know, I went to the class, I I, I I did the interview, things like that. Like, like, officer like, training school? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I was already graduated, so I went to, like, like um uh there's, like, an abbreviation, like, OC something. Um,
1: like, OCS or... OCS, yeah. Officer, officer training can, yeah, school, yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So I went to that, and, you know, and then, like, I applied for it, I took the test, I went there, I interviewed a few times. And they're like, all right, cool. Like, we like you a lot. They're like, you did well on the test. Like, you will you know, you should be able to apply for all these different types of positions as an officer. I'm like, all right, cool, great. They're like, all right, cool. Like, here's, here's, fill this forms out, like, for your medical history. And I'm like, oh, okay, Uh-oh. cool. And I'm like, yo, listen, I had a couple surgeries before. They're like, all right, listen, we can get some waivers, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then so I went to uh, Dave McCune, who was, you know, a trainer at uh, in Dr. Monaco at Rutgers. And I'm like, listen. Like, I need my medical history because I'm trying to go to the Navy. And then they're like, okay, cool. Like, we'll just print this out for you. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I show up. Later. <laughs> yo, it's like an inch thick. You know, like an inch thick. It's like a good, like, quarter pound, half pound of paper. And then so I go to the Navy office. You know, I put this thing on. the desk. We're not and reading like, this. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, yo, listen. They're like, honestly, like, they're like, this isn't going to happen. And I was like, "Jeez," And they're like, we're going to try. But. And then five months into the process, from the day I like reached out to the day I found out I couldn't go, it was five months, and um, it was it was it was a struggle. And then, but that's that was my first option. And after that, you know, I made connections with uh with good people who uh, who believed in me, and and, and I've made I've made it a point to make sure that I proved them right.
1: Were you like upset about the Navy, or did yeah,
0: you- I was upset, man. I was pissed. I was like. I can play two years of Division One football and I can't right, go to the Navy. Right, I can't go to the Navy, yeah. Uh, it was stupidity to me. It's, um, it, for me, I understand why it happened, you know, as an organization that big, you know, they can't dig down into each individual person. But if they know who I was, right. that's the whole time. Going the whole, back to that again, yeah. That's the whole thing. I'm like, The resume, yeah. I'm like, listen, you guys are going to deny me? I'm like, you don't understand. Like, You don't know what you're missing out on. <laughs> you know, type of deal. Like, I don't want to be cocky, but like, I <laughs> knew like, like, I'm tough. Like, I, I, I could handle all of this stuff. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I've been a leader. I've done all these things. Like, I'm the candidate you guys want. And then you guys are going to look at, like, you know, a couple of knee surgeries and be like, okay, you can't, you know, join the Navy for the next couple
1: of years. I would stand zero chance if that's the case. If you couldn't do it, they wouldn't even, like, <laughs> they would probably laugh in my face.
0: No, I mean, but it's like, it's just crazy. It's like for, I think it came down to business at the end of the day. It's like, you know, they, they don't want, want to, be, to pay for your, they don't want to be liable 20 years from now for right. a new replacement. I, that's what I think it is. I don't know what it, exactly, yeah, but you're probably not too far off. Yeah, I
1: know. All right. Um, in terms of leadership, we talked a little bit about this before. I kind sure. of thought about this question as I went, but you said you study a lot of like leadership books yeah, and stuff. So yeah. what's your favorite leadership book that you've read?
0: less less so books more so people okay um so some there's some great leaders out there so um yeah jp2 uh john paul ii is one of my favorites uh what about him so he um so so he's first of all he's polish so that's you know okay first things You're first polish. Okay. i am polish as well so that that was a connection i saw uh, that in your
1: bio that you speak polish i do I or do. Speak polish. bio
0: yeah yeah i do um but so JP two is one of my favorites. Um, just just the way he lived his life and, and the messages he sent. Um, but then also is either him or Pope Benedict that had this great line, one of my favorite lines is like, uh, "Leadership is meant, uh, sorry, leadership is meant to serve, not to be served."
1: Okay, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: Right. Yep. So as a leader, you're supposed to serve, not to be served. So it's like you have to sacrifice for others as a leader versus you know, sitting back and being like, serve you, you, right. Exactly. And for me, it was like that servant type leadership that to me was, uh, something when I learned now, I'm like, wow, like that's how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be done like that. Like I'm supposed to sacrifice for you, not the other way around. Yeah. I could still be a leader, you know, at a high level, but you know, ultimately at the end of the day, it's like, I'm leading you not for myself, but for, you know, everybody's benefit for your benefit. And, and that that to me was a big deal. Uh, leadership is meant to serve, not to be served.
1: How has uh, faith pl- like played a role in your uh, recovery from injury? Yeah, your transition life after sports. It was
0: definitely you know I grew up in the church. Uh, you know we're Polish, so you know it's like ninety nine percent of Polish people are Catholic, and uh, so I grew up in the church pretty much. You know CCD, all the like the basic stuff. Um, and then when I came to college, you know I, I found a community there. You know Catholics, and like we started going to church together uh it was like they had like sunday night masses and the music was great you know what i mean they had like a student band up there uh playing all the music and i met some great people and we had a chaplain um uh brother ken Apuzo and uh they had like a brotherhood on there It's called the brotherhood of hope and uh they were great guys and uh bro parker was a part of that and, and all the other ones um and so we, we we they would have meetings with us on the football team they reached out to us a couple times so i started engaging more i met some great friends and then you know it's something that I'm missing right now because like um you had the accountability there. You know what I mean? They're like people be like, you know, you you're going today? Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, so people you would go every week and then, you know, be like you'd sit with them, all these things, you were part of it, and then like after college, they're like, Hey, uh, you know, it, it, it goes away. And then people are like, Oh, Yo, hey, you're going to church tomorrow, Like, blah, 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 like what time are you getting there? You know, so then you, you're more motivated and, and you don't have that now where now where I see like I'm uh, that part is struggling a little bit because I'm missing that part of it. Right. So, something that I need to correct going forward.
1: Well, that kind of leads into my, my next question. So, how has your transition to life at their sports been since football? Like, do you miss football? Like, do you miss the lack of regimen that you used to I miss,
0: have? Uh, I miss the games. I don't miss practice at all. Okay. I miss the games. I miss, like, all the preparation is done. You show up for the game, you know, you're ready. It comes to the point, like, you're, you're really like, studying for a test, and then you get so tired of studying, you're like, I don't even care what I get anymore. You know what I mean? Because you're just so tired. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah, That's when you know you're ready. You
1: hit that point.
0: And then that's that's when I knew I was ready to play football. I'm like, I can't even look at these like like uh like like film no more. I already know everything. And then I just go out there. I just love that. And um, the games I miss, the football, other practices I don't. Uh, you know, I, I, if I never went to another practice in my life, I'd be okay. You know what I mean? So but
1: coaching's they, out of the question for you? Um,
0: no, nah, no. Nah, I think I think I would I would like to be a coach um someday, but. For me, the college, like, I I always thought about coaching at the college level. And just, the, like, the moving around is brutal. Um, like, you know, you, you could be the greatest tight ends coach in, in the world. But if your head coach gets fired, you got to pick up your whole family and, you know, move to a different school. Um, high school is definitely an option um, and more so. It's almost to the point where, like, I, I feel like if you want to be a college coach, like, you're a me guy, believe it or not.
1: Why is that? Because you're gonna be moving your like yeah. family all around the place. And stuff? I had a
0: coach one time who his daughter went to four different high schools in four years. Wow. Yeah. You're a me guy. You know what I'm saying? You're a me guy, and, and that's how I looked at it. You know what I mean? Like my high school coach, been there for 20 years. You know what I mean? He was there for 20 years. Right. Like same with my coach. Yeah. Right? So it's like it's different. You know what I mean? Like you you could teach and you could influence and all those things at that level. But if you coach at the college level, you know, I learned this. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you, you make a lot
1: more money, though. <laughs> you do
0: make a lot more money, but you got to be, I, I, I would say, you kind of have to be a me guy. And yeah. that's crazy to say that, but no. that's just it. It's me- honest.
1: Yeah. Um, so what's your uh, advice to athletes who are like struggling to find an identity outside of sports once their sport ends for whatever reason?
0: You have to first be comfortable with who you are, like understand who you are. Um, and, and everybody's different and making peace with that is huge. So if, you know, if you're worried about expectations from other people or, you know, from, you know, you're thinking about what other people want from you or what you should be doing, you have to first know who you are and what makes you happy and what environments you can succeed. I don't think anybody goes into any environment or any situation and say, I want to fail nobody
1: yeah going back to practice yeah right
0: nobody commits to a school i mean like i'm gonna be a, a slap
1: i'm gonna be the worst freaking player on this team I, yeah nobody nobody
0: <laughs> goes into any situation with those intentions like everybody has the best of intentions and that's why as a leader you know like i, I I've, I've identified that that's like one of my assumptions that like everybody wants to succeed at the end of the day nobody wants to be an asshole and and, and be failing at everything like they got issues going on but everybody wants to succeed so in regards to, you know, uh, transitioning, all those things you know, with, with what they, what other things you want to do, first you have to know who you are and you have to be okay with that. And then you have to understand, um, you know, the things that, it's tough, man. It's not easy. I'm Some of the hardest months of my life, besides the injuries, were like that transition after the Navy, like trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. Because, like, you know, you're a competitor, you know, like what am I doing? What's next? What's next? Yeah. Always what's next. And um, for me, it's like, just making sure you put yourself in a situation. And I've been blessed enough where, you know, those things have kind of manifested themselves on their own. Um, and I've been lucky for that. And and a part of that, you know, is the work I put in before that exactly, and, uh, yep. and the doors and that it opened for me.
1: You got quite the resume. Yeah, I appreciate your, it, man, your but, signature is, is strong, <laughs> yeah, but those, it's yeah. like,
0: you know, it's, it's a conscious, you know, it's a conscious thing and, and maybe less so now because it's already ingrained. But if I was a coach and I was trying to teach somebody something, I'm like, listen, that's what you got to do. And it's, we our quote in in high school was uh characters who you are when nobody's watching.
1: Yep, I like that.
0: Yeah, you know what I mean? It's a classic one. And it's just like who you are is and that, that it's 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 talking about the same thing, the same concept. It's it's that little things. If the little things matter. It's like doing the right thing all the time for the little things will make doing the right thing for the big things piece of cake. And people don't get that. They're like whatever, I I could skip here, I could do this, do that, and then they show up for the for the big, you know, the big day and then all of a sudden they're not prepared, and that's why.
1: I think that's a good place to end it. All right. I appreciate it, David, for taking the time on your, your weekend to, to do the interview and to share your stories, and I, I think it's a great message for athlete injured or not. Right. So I appreciate it, dude. have appreciate it. Thanks,
0: man. All right, take care.